Cavs need a three. Sexton works on Irving, trying to get loose. He'll fire. Knocks it down. Ground. Here goes Okoro to the bucket. And oh, my. Okoro throws it down. Ten seconds to go. Here comes Colin Sexton. Sexton chased by Hill. Off to Stevens. Oh, my. 45 ticks to go. That shot is blocked by Nance. Get that big stuff out of here. Prince knocks down that Harden pass. Garland's there. Garland upstairs for Allen. Oh, look out. There you go. That's called team ball right there. Join now by Bill DiFilippo, uh, one of my my editors over at Dime, the internet's biggest Man City slash Columbus Crew slash Penn State fan. Bill, how are you? I'm doing great, Chris. Uh, it's been a uh, it's already been a pretty busy morning, so I'm glad I'm able to take some time and just uh, talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers. Well, I mean, look, you get to see Lamar Stevens in Las Vegas. This is I, I this do, is this yeah. is big. This is big stuff for you right now. I, I'm excited because I feel like Lamar, just uh, based on the fact that he's like a uh, like a big physical guy, is going to just eat in uh, summer. And I want him. To, I want him to do well enough that uh, I know the Cavs gave him uh, a contract for the next couple of years. But I'd really like it if that's like an actual thing and not just something so they could have him for cheap and then eventually cut him. Yeah. I, I got to say him, Okoro and Mobley is like a defensive, like front court is like kind of outrageous for summer league, <laughs> even if it's a game, right? Like even if that's one game of like, and that Okoro only plays one game or whatever, yeah. like that's like, that's a vibe. That's a summer league. Just like, we're going to like show up and be bigger than you and like rock like that kind of rules. Listen, uh, oh God. so how, how do I put this nicely? Um, the Cavs are the kind of team, and I think they're in like a class of team with, you know, the Pistons, um, you know, the Magic, the Spurs are careening towards us, the Kings, the Timberwolves, where like there is kind of an incentive to go for it in Summer League because you need mm-hmm. to show that like, there's something here. We're building on something. And if the Cavs can go out there with a bunch of guys that have NBA experience and the number three pick in the NBA draft, and they could like be optimistic at summer league, like that, that's awesome. That like, that is legitimately good for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah. Let's, let's actually just start with summer league. Um, you, you've been before. Yes. Uh, I went in 2000. Uh, yeah. 2018. Cause 2019 was the Kawhi year. And yes, last year, obviously. Was. So yeah, 2018, yeah. it's been a minute. So, okay. So I, this is, this will be my first time through. I'm very excited. Um, okay. excited to like meet a bunch of folks, um, in real time, which will be cool. I'll get to meet the, the iconic Brad Roland for one. Very excited about that. Uh, I just am very curious to see what the overall vibe is going to be like, considering just like it, it's been since pre-COVID. The talent level there is really interesting. Like the Blazers team is just like hilarious. Like Kenneth Reed, Emmanuel Moutier, Michael Beasley. Like that team is very funny. No one in the league, like the playoffs, I don't have, but this is like NBA. This is like one of those events that's like a big NBA, like, hangout almost right like it is just one of these environments i'm just really curious what this environment is going to be like and i like for the for the Cavs, it's just like it's just going to be interesting to see like how i a coro and mobley are sort of in, and then sort of the tertiary guys are kind of the stuff to watch but it's like this whole event i think is going to be 
just like kind of interesting, um, especially because like it, all the big fringy stuff is done. Like there's not going to be like LeBron walks into the arena with like Lakers shorts on after he signed and like is seen talking to Ty or like when he came back, he like was hanging out with David Blatt, right? Like there's not going to seemingly be anything exactly like that, but I still feel like it's going to be like a really interesting kind of environment. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, there's the added bit of this summer league in particular amid the pandemic. It seems like nobody, um, it, it, it seems like nobody's 100% certain of like how many people are going to be in there, how many fans are going to be in there, how many media are going to be in there, blah, blah, blah. So like there is like one thing that I vividly remember from Summer League, and I'm sure everyone vividly remembers, is that from just watching it on TV is there is a legitimate excitement that pops into the building when, uh, you know, this year, Acade Cunningham is there or – uh, when, you know, when the Lakers had Lonzo Ball and they were selling out the building. So that's like – I, I'm interested in that. Like, that's something that I wish we could be experiencing. I wish we could be stepping in there uh, on a day where the, uh, you know, on a day where Cade Cunningham is going to be playing and everyone wants to pack into the arena because he's going to be playing against the Lakers. And there's, you know, I, I don't know who, what the Lakers roster is going to be, but, you know, they're Matt sending it. McClung, baby. Oh, that's right. Oh, God. Ugh. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll talk about Mac McClung later. But like, if they, <laughs> we'll, if they we will talk about Mac McClung right, later. But continue. Send, yeah, okay. It looks like they're not going to be sending Taylor Horton Tucker. But if they were sending someone like him, who like has hype and has excitement and that kind of thing, then like there's just something that happens in the building and it gets fun and it gets exciting and like that's the best thing about summer league. That and like, you know, you just follow along and see the veteran guys are going to be like Jock land. Uh, no, Jock Landell's not going to be there. Uh, he's with Australia's national team, but like uh, when Jack Cooley uh, will make it, you know, Jack Cooley, a guy who has had an NBA cup of coffee, uh, but is 28, 29, 30 years old, always pops up in a summer league roster, always plays hard, always is great among the young guys, blah, blah, blah. Like, there's just so much fun stuff. And then there's the fact that, like, it's in Vegas and you're seeing a bunch of NBA media people and you're getting to watch basketball in person. This is going to be my first time going to a basketball game since I think the 2019 finals. So I'm just overjoyed. I cannot wait to get there. From a, from a, let's just, before we wrap up segment one, uh, who from the Cavs besides Lamar? Because that's obvious. You're, you're recording this. People can't see this. We have a Penn State hat on. <laughs> who who are you most interested in seeing? Who is like the guy on the roster that you're? Is I assume it's one of two people. But who are you most interested in seeing? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna cop out. and I'm gonna say Evan Mobley. Yeah, I mean that's that's one like, of the two options. I I, <laughs> I think that Evan Mobley is legitimately a good bat. Like he's the kind of cornerstone piece that whatever this Cavaliers team looks like going forward, uh, I would be stunned if Evan Mobley didn't play a major role in that. Um, So I just really want to see him. I want to see what he looks like getting out there. Uh, I think that his feel for the game is something that you just don't see with 20-year-olds uh, who are seven feet tall. I think that him being out there with a couple of guys, you know, we're going to even, uh, you know, I'm not going to 
say like I expect them to be just incredible players or anything, but mm-hmm. like a guy like an Isaac Okoro and a guy like a Lamar Stevens and a guy uh, like Fee Cabangele, like who know what it is like to be NBA players. I think having those kinds of guys, even if, you know, I don't like, I certainly don't think Lamar is a superstar. I certainly don't think Fee is a superstar. I don't think Okoro is probably ever going to be a superstar. But just having those guys who kind of know how to go about their business and have a bit of a sense of this around a guy like Mobley is going to be really good for him. So I can't wait to see what he does. Like, and I agreed, you know, I'm far more amateur of a draft person than our actual draft people, but I absolutely agreed that um, Mobley was the guy. Like, if you weren't getting Cade, he was the guy. Like, I certainly don't think Jalen Green or Jalen Suggs or Scotty Barnes are going to be bad players. I think they're all going to be very, very good players, but I think Mobley has the potential to be a superstar. And I think the Cavs did a great job getting him. And I am, I cannot wait to see what he does the first time putting on an NBA Jersey and going on to an NBA floor. Yeah. I, I can't wait to see. I've never obviously seen him play in person. I'm very excited about that. Um, I know for the program, Jordan Zerm is very excited about that. Uh, I also just like I'm an Okoro sucker and like yeah. the fact that he might guard Jalen Green in game one like rocks. I will not be in town for that yet, unfortunately, because of when my flight is and, and things going on. But um, I can't wait to watch Okoro like guard the shit out of people in summer. Like I hope he plays like he's going to play like two games and then be done. Right. Like that. That is where this is sort of headed because that's how it works for like second year guys a lot of the time. But like. Okora was already really good at defense and he's like apparently added like some serious muscle. And I just like want to see him defend like wings that are just like, what am I getting myself into? Like, I just kind of want to see what that looks like um, and get excited about Okora because I just, I own a lot of Okora stock. Yeah. I mean, Okora is a guy who like, he wasn't like, I don't think anyone's going to sit here and say Isaac Okoro like should have been in rookie of the year conversation, anything like that. But you look at his numbers, uh, per 36, 10 points, three rebounds, two assists a steal, like shooting percentages weren't particularly great, but you weren't like the Cavs were never drafting Isaac Okoro to play him day one because of what he could do on offense. They drafted him. So day one, he could start getting reps as a guy who's going to be a game changing defender on the defensive end of the floor. And then as he grows, as he progresses, as he becomes more comfortable on the offensive side of the floor, that's where his that's the difference between him being, you know, Jay Crowder and him being a really, really, really good, potentially all-star, maybe not quite that level basketball player. So yeah. the fact that he's going to be bringing that and the fact that like he's going to get some really valuable reps as a guy who they're going to give him the basketball unless they really, really, really want to run everything through Evan Mobley, which might be a bit uh, optimistic. They're going to be giving Isaac Okora the basketball and saying, Isaac, you're the man. Like, you're the man on this team. Go out there and get buckets, you know? Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're going to take a break, come back, talk about some more Cavs vibes with Bill DeFlippo. All right, Bill, what is your your vibe on the Cavs right now, just generally speaking? Uh, well... I think I don't want to answer that question until I know what is happening with Colin Sexton and Kevin Love. I mean, okay. the, la- the, the last month of Kevin Love's life has been very weird. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think that's one way of putting it. Um, I don't know if the Cavs can swing a trade for him like at all. Like that, like if they are able to move him, and even if it means taking back another not great contract and like getting a second, you know, one of 
Sam Presti's second round picks or whatever attached onto it. Like, I don't even know. Like, I think there's value in that. It se- it just seems very obvious to me, as I'm sure it seems very obvious to everyone watching, uh, everyone who listens to this podcast, everyone who watches the Cleveland Cavaliers, that like he wants to be somewhere else. And uh-huh. with the team owing him what sixty million over the next two years or something like that. Yeah, about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just seems like they need to figure out what to do with Kevin Love, uh, and then with Colin. I, I mean, he's this perpetual uh, mystery inside an enigma, blah, 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 all these sorts of things where, like, it still doesn't seem like it. Like, you know, by the time this podcast gets posted, perhaps this is completely out of date and Colin's either signed an extension or he's been traded somewhere, blah, blah, blah. But it seems like it's very hard to me to justify signing Colin Sexton to some kind of contract with what they just got gave Jarrett Allen with the pick of Evan Mobley, with the fact that Darius Garland is going to be a guy they're going to have to pay somewhere down the line. And I really like Colin as a basketball player. Mm-hmm. I think he's, I think he's a guy who has gotten a little bit underrated in the stuff that he could do on the basketball court, but it seems like his timeline is just a little bit ahead of what it seems like the Cavaliers timeline is. And that's what makes paying him so weird. And I'm going to turn this around and ask you, which is that, you know, it's August 4th. We're doing this on August 4th. It's 12, 15 PM. Do you have, do you have any changes to your opinion on what the Cleveland Cavaliers should do with Colin Sexton after the last couple of days of uh, not even the last couple of days of free agency. Let's go all the way back to ke- everything going on with Kevin Love. Darius Garland now getting some really valuable time as a member of the national team over in Japan with dra- giving Jared Allen money, with drafting him, all these sorts of things. Has your opinion changed on what you think the Cavaliers should do with uh, Sexton going forward? I think if you could get a reasonable extension done this summer, I would do it. I don't think that that is in the cards. I think, well, just as, a, as a little note, I think a Kevin buyout is happening. I, I think we're getting one this yes. month. Um, doesn't make sense for anyone for that not to happen. Like, I could understand if you say, like, oh, like, we, you know, with Cusey shooting off the bench or whatever. But, like, it's just the, the vibes are all wrong with, with Kevin in a lot of ways right now. I think with Colin, I think this is a Cavs team that, like, wants to at least improve in some ways next year. Right? Like, I think that's very blatantly obvious. It's hard to trade a guy that scored like he did and like just replace him in a vacuum and, and cleanly be better. I don't think that's like a lin- direct linear thing you can just bank on happening. I also just think we're clearly headed towards like this is going to run into RFA. I would pay him like if you could get him at a reasonable number now. And I don't know what the exact number is like. I wouldn't get close to the Shea or the Trey contracts. I wouldn't break the bank for Colin. But like if you could get him at like a reasonable number, I think there's a way to do it. I just I also think that there's a very clear argument. And I think this is where this headed that the Cavs are like, look, we haven't won anything with you in three years. That's not all not really your fault, but it's just the reality. Mm-hmm. We're heading into the season where we want to improve. We just drafted who's probably the guy who's probably going to be our our lead guy for like if, if we're going to prove like that's this is going to be the best young player on our team in Evan Mobley. We don't exactly know how this all fits. We don't exactly know how this works, how your what your place looks like in our hierarchy here. We need to kind of see how 
we need to see how the Cavs, I think, go into next year because I think there, there will be like some discussion at some point with if like the shooting gets really tight where it's like, okay, like does Colin have to maybe just move in just to give the starting lineup a little more shooting? Like, and because Darius' playmaking is hard to give up. Like, there are just conversations coming that I think are really, really tricky. And I don't know exactly how you have them. I don't know exactly like what the ultimate right answer is, but I, I think we're very clear headed to like he's going to go into RFA next year. And I, I, if you're the team, I, I think I get that. I think if you could get him again at a reasonable number, I would do it. I just, I think it, this is going to be a context and hits RFA next summer, and we see where that takes us. Okay, interesting. I, I mean, like the Knicks, like the Knicks, the Knicks having just got Kemba Walker and paid Derek Rose and having Emmanuel quickly, that was like a team that was like linked to being interested in him. I think some of that was like he's a CAA client. That's the CAA NBA team. Um, I don't, that's like off the table. Miami doesn't, Miami was another team that was like reportedly interested in him. Like they got Kyle Lowry. Like I don't, they just spent a bunch of money. They're not going to like want to add on a Colin Sexton looming extension when like Jimmy Butler's mega contract is coming and Tyler Hero's contract is coming and Bam's contract is kicking in. Like they, like these teams that have been linked to him don't really have like the reason to trade for him right now and give up something of value when like they're also going to be like, we don't want to pay this right now it's right. it's it's Pel- not pelicans quality. just got pelicans just got Devontae graham and tomas sadaransky and now they right. have like four legitimate options in their backcourt along yeah with right and like you know colin's definitely better than kira lewis but it's like kira lewis like his clock isn't financial clock is at the different point and like there's just there, there are things that are not in colin's control and not his fault that are making his situation just like i think very if you're him in his camp i think that like, kind of uncomfortable and unfortunate yeah uh, like like, like we mentioned, I, I think it's really important to say that you not like neither you nor I think Colin is we, we both probably think Colin's a little bit better than whatever the consensus is. Yeah. Like, yeah, the fact that he averaged 24 point, you know, I have the numbers up here, 24.3 points, 4.4 assists converted 37.1% of his threes. Like, you, you know, I'm not on like and, monstrous and, volume right now. And that's like on a like an like very kind of backwards, non-modern, like shooting profile. Like he was in the bottom 60% of guards and threes according to clean in the glass. Like the fact that he averaged what he did while not really taking a lot of threes is like actually, and really only taking more free throws toward the end of the year is actually like kind of outrageous. Yeah. And I, th- I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if part of it is that like, uh, well, the, that that's the interesting thing. Like I would imagine that any team that would consider wanting to pay Colin would want to like, get him into their system because basically Colin is one of two things. Either one, he's a point guard who just hasn't really had the opportunity to show what he can do as a point guard. Cause the Cavs haven't like put him in a position to succeed. And like, the, it's just like in a state of flux and they're constantly trying to figure out what to do and blah, blah, blah. I don't know if that's the case or not. Or two, he's a six foot one shooting guard. And unless you were Allen Iverson, there just haven't been a lot of guys like that. And, all due respect to Colin Sexton, he's not Allen Iverson. So, like, it's a very tricky situation. And, like, there's there's part of me that wonders, like, what the Cavs' like line is, and if there is any t what the what they're like what what their bar is. This is the better word for what they would accept in a trade, and whether or not there is any team that would go like, listen, there's a ton of value to us getting him in for one year, and then having matching rights with him as a restricted free agent when that day comes. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Um, would you, do you have more confidence in him or Darius at this point? Darius. Okay. I agree. Like, I just, it, think- it's like, there's let's, let's just be blunt about it. Like one of them, one of those guys got a call to join the United States in Tokyo for the Olympics. Like 
I, I, I know that's not obviously the be all end all. I know both have ways they can grow as players, but like, I think with Darius, you have someone who he seems a little, he seems more comfortable being able to set other guys up. Oh, and, it's, yeah. Full, full yeah. stop. He's a whole world's better at that. It's, an, yeah. it's, it's just true. His efficiency numbers are about the same as Collins on fewer attempts. Uh, I think Colin is more of a dog on defense than he is. And, you know, maybe that comes for Darius. Maybe that doesn't. But, like, when you're looking for what you want in a modern NBA point guard, if you have a guy who can give you the scoring and shooting acumen that Darius has and a bit, you know, the kind of playmaking that he has – you know, he's obviously not Trey Young, but like that kind of archetype of point guard. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a ton of value in that. And for 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 how much I like Colin, I, I think Darius is just more in that archetype and a, a better fit in a, a better fit from that perspective in the modern NBA. Plus, he's a year younger, so you got that extra amount of time before you have to pay him. Like, it's just if I'm the Cavs and I have to choose between, cause like, that's the other thing they don't necessarily have to choose right now. Mm-hmm. Like they have that extra year, but if you absolutely feel like you have to Darius is probably the guy that I'm going to go with. Yeah. I think they have the year and I expect them to run this in RFA. It doesn't make any sense from the team to like, to do this until you get somewhere. It just, it's just the reality of it. I think. All right. One more break. We'll be back with more with Bill. Today's podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. I'm sure you know by now, but Built Bar has so many delicious flavors. There's something for everyone. Whether you are looking for coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, or something else, Built Bar has it. My favorite flavor right now is strawberry. It literally tastes like a chocolate-covered strawberry in a protein bar form. I mean, that that says it itself. You, you have to just try that. But if you haven't tried any of them, you can get a mix box. You can get two of each of the nine flavors. Built Bars are also are also healthy. They're not just great tasting. 17 to 18 grams of protein. Calories ranging from 130 to 180. 4 to 5 grams of sugar. That's nothing. And 4 to 5 grams of net carbohydrates. Amazing flavors. All tasty and all healthy. Order today and get the raspberry, the chocolate-covered strawberry, the mint brownie, or whatever it is you like. And Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15. That's LOCKED15. And you'll get 15% off your order. Again, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Okay, Bill, let's just end on this. Playoff play, play picture for the East next year. You just, just kind of stacked in some ways, right? So here, here are the teams that made the playoffs last year as a refresher. Philly. This is an order of seeding from one to, to, to 10 in the playing tournament. Philly, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, New York, Atlanta, Miami, Boston, Washington, and then Indiana and Charlotte as a playing team. The Bulls were two games back at the 11th seed of being in the play-in. Uh, Toronto finished 12th. Cleveland was 11 games back uh, at 22 and 50 behind the 10th place Hornets. And then Orlando and Detroit round out the bottom of the conference. Okay, so... Obviously, we've seen the Knicks kind of reinforce themselves a little bit. Um, we've seen the Bulls obviously have done a lot to sort of raise the floor of that team and with with DeMar and getting Lonzo, um, obviously trading for Vooch last year. Toronto is like a very well-run team, even if they lost Lowry, and we'll see what kind of else happens there. But, Bill, one of the, I think, the big conversations within the Cavs sort of discourse right now is, okay, 
they want to make some kind of improvement next year. I think the hope is at least at minimum to complete for for the play-in tournament, to get be in contention for that 10 seed. Okay. Taking a step forward, what do you would actually be a, a step forward for Cleveland? How would you measure that? Because I'm I'm, I'm personally having a hard time exactly measuring what that is for a variety of reasons. Well, that's tough. Um, here, here's what I think Cleveland's problem ultimately is. You just took those six teams that you put that 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 were able to make it into the playoffs without the play-in tournament, and I mm-hmm. think you and I agree, all six of those teams should be a about as good, you know. If there are steps back, it'll be like Philly going from the one seed to the three. yeah, or like or like the like the Knicks just take a little step back because like maybe Randall's not like takes a doesn't like improve again in, in that way, or Rose isn't like the same yeah. as he was, or Kemba's hurt or whatever. So those six teams, we're gonna say they are, you know, they're generally gonna be in the same spots. Seven, eight, nine, ten. I think Boston's gonna be way better next year. Mm-hmm. I think Charlotte's gonna be way better next year. I think Chicago is going to be better next year and actually make a push for the play-in tournament and not kind of the half-ass thing. So right there, there are nine basketball teams. The Washington Wizards, we have no idea what the hell they are. The Indiana Pacers uh, hired Rick Carlisle. I would not be surprised if they're a team that is just consistently trying to be fine. If they make the play-in tournament, they're happy. Toronto... I mean, there's talent there, what that talent does, like what this team does, who knows. (sighs) The ultimate issue that the Cavaliers have is that, you know, we were talking about their timeline a little while ago. Their timeline to be a good basketball team, I think they're laying the foundation for now, but Mm -hmm. I don't know if there is enough for them to get to a point where, they are in the playing tournament. Can they compete for the playing tournament? We're basically asking if they can make up, uh, you know, the 10 seed last year was the Charlotte Hornets, uh, which really only got the 10 seed because Lamella Ball got hurt and missed so much time. And Gordon Hayward was hurt, missed so much time. So we're basically asking if they can make up a gap of 11 games uh, to get into the 10 seed. And I just don't know if they could do that. But I also think that with the Cavaliers, their two most recent stretches of relevance came when the greatest or second greatest player of all time played for them. And I think that when you look at it in that context, you can't be viewing the Cavs as a team that is trying to compete for a championship in the next couple. You have, like, there is so much value. Like, we talk about this at Dime all the time. There is so much value to being a team that is consistently in the playoffs. There is so much value to being the Indiana Pacers the Portland Trailblazers, Um, you know, just those sorts of teams when you are one of those smaller market teams that is never really going to get these huge free agents. And I think if the Cavaliers could use this year to continue to build to a place where the next three, four, five, six years, they're consistently in the picture, just getting to the dance. I think that is a good thing for them, whether or not they actually make the playing tournament this year, make the playoffs this year. I'm skeptical, but that's where I think I ultimately land on it. I'm with you. I think like they didn't, they're not Mobley's a really big acquisition. I think the Ricky Ruby signing or trade makes some what sense. That? Even if the, we'll see how the fit goes. And like some of the quotes he had about like not wanting to basically play for rebuilding team gives you me make a little bit of pause about what the vibe is going to be like. And he's wearing number three, which Bill, I don't know if you know, is like a cursed Cavs number. 
Andre Drummond, Deion Waiters, Isaiah Thomas are some of the players that have worn that number in recent years. Like the, it's just like when you see him in number three, it's like, oh, okay, like this did, is. Did uh, did Dwayne Wade wear three with Cavs? Dwayne Wade wore number nine. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, someone had three, maybe. That, that would have been Isaiah Thomas. Oh yes, and then like Derek Williams had that number at one point when he was on the Cavs for a minute. Like, there's been some characters that have had. Like, I think Kendrick Perkins, uh, aka Mandu, can't pronounce Moses Moody's name. Uh, War number three. Like there's just been, there's been some guys in that number. Let's say the Drummond one being the most recent one. I think campaign when he was in Cleveland for 10 days, War number three before he went to China and then came back and became a really good successor. Regardless, they they've made two moves that I think make a lot of sense, but their potential starting lineup next year is Garland. Who's in his third year. Saxon who's in year four or Coro who's in year two Mobley. Who's a rookie and uh, Jared Allen. Who's like in year five. They're all like 23 and under. They're really young teams winning like that is sort of difficult. The shooting on the team's a little lax. Like even if they're able to like finagle, like, like likely they're going to end up, this could have changed by the time people hear this, but maybe they ended with like Isaac Bonga or like uh, a kind of minimum wing. You know, if they get, even if they finagle like Josh Hart somehow, like that's not adding like a dead eye shooter. And even if your top eight is like those five Nance, Rubio and like Josh Hart like that is like a solid team but it is not unless someone is taking a massive leap or like Mobley just wrecks the world from day one I don't know how high the upside really is and I I would I would be very cautious if I'm the Cavs and I could understand if they feel pressure to some extent but like I think if you're going to weigh the season fully on like playing tournament or nothing that that's going to set you up to like make maybe dumb decisions in the off season, right? Like that, right, right. that could like get you, you into trouble. You don't want the Cavs to be at, you know, Ennis Cantor just got, just got signed by the, uh, by, by the Celtics, but you don't want the Cavs. <laughs> Ennis be... Cantor, who was like John Bolton, human rights activist. Right. Like, over you, that you, don't, you don't want the Cavs going, listen, we absolutely need to make the playoffs. Uh, we need a veteran who we know is going to bring it every night. Who's going to do this, that, that, that. Let's get, let's sign Ennis Cantor to a one-year deal. Uh, we, uh, you, you know, George Hill is a uh, nice player, but you don't want anyone going, all right, we have to sign George Hill because we just need someone else who knows. Or but like, no, like if the Cavaliers view this year as we have to do something, I really want that to be, we have to be a team that competes for, we have to be a team that is in the process a year away because we are building something, not a team that is going, uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to issue a mandate that either we do this or uh, we're just totally cleaning house. Like, I think that would be very short-sighted. Yeah. Bill, let's end on, on this last question. Um, who, who is the Cavs player? Maybe it's Mobley that you're most interested to see this upcoming season. Just give me a name. Really? What? Well, if it's not Lamar. It's what come on, man. Do you, okay. do you know how many NBA players we have had at Penn State? We yeah, don't Tim, have a lot of Lamar Tim, is actually good. Look, I, look, look, I awesome. look, I understand you. This is why, like, I might, like, Bill is seeing me on Zoom. I have this wall space where there's an Ohio Bobcats jersey that's going to be framed there and going there, but there are also maybe a Jason Preston Cat Clippers jersey that oh, goes there. Has there. to be. Has yeah. to be. I was trying to buy a Maurice and Door. Nick's jersey off of eBay the other day, and they only had like game worn ones that were like three hundred dollars. And I'm just like, why? Like, why are we doing this? Like, he was in the league for like two years, and now he plays somewhere like in Spain. Like, like, why are you charging me this much money? But like a Preston jersey that I get is just gonna like be framed and go up on this wall. But like, 
Lamar is in the top 10 all time in terms of Penn State players' total points scored in the NBA, and he scored 165 last year. Oh, that's okay. That's wild. I didn't realize the, the, the amount of concern there for you. It's um, real bleak, man. Okay, let's just end on this Lamar take I have. I think Lamar, like, if I had to bet on one of the Cavs, like, tertiary young wings, like, actually mattering this year, I would take him over Windler or, like, Jetty. What is Je- Jetty? Yeah. Jetty last year was an utter just disaster, and I don't know. I don't know how to fix that. Listen, it was really bad. Really I mean, bad. I think everyone loves Chetty, but like at this point, how long is he? he he's 26, going to be 27. He's been on the team for since 2017. He's a fun guy to have around, which I swear I don't mean as a dig, but like if he hasn't put it together by this point to the to an extent where I think well, I think his contract's up next. He's got this year and then a non-guaranteed year. Yeah, like if he has, if it hasn't happened by now, it's to a point where he can contribute can, with any sort of consistency. I don't know if it's going to happen. I do like Windor. I, I, I was a big fan of him when he was at Belmont, and I think that uh, his shooting, if he's able to get and stay on the floor, could be something valuable. But... I also think that Lamar, like the difference between Lamar and Windler is I think right now Lamar is an NBA player. Um, He he plays NBA level defense. And Mm -hmm. if he can get a little bit more comfortable, like I'm not going to sit here and say if he can hit 40% of his threes, that's ridiculous. But if he can go from being a, a, like a hurtful shooter to a bad shooter, that is a gigantic step forward for him. If he could be a guy who stands in the corner, who's able to like keep the ball moving, those sorts of things. Like I think he is good enough on defense that he could actually contribute. I understand that I'm, uh, I, I have my blue and white blinders on uh, as I say this, but I do legitimately think Lamar has a chance and I would, uh, th- there would be few things that make me happier than him taking that chance and turning it into reality. Yeah, I'm excited. Can't wait to see him at Summer League. Uh, it's it's going to be a fun time. Bill, can't wait to see you at Summer League, my buddy. It's going to be a good time. It's going to be good. It's going to be good, everyone. Check out Dime. Check out all the great work they're doing over there. Um, I do bad work over there, but check it out. And uh, we'll be back. We'll be back with some Summer League stuff next week.